Hello there and welcome to the Go Ahead Dublin Championship show here on Dubs TV. Derek Ryan here. Over the next uh, hour and a half or so, we're going to be looking back on the round two fixtures in the Go Ahead Dublin Senior A Hurling Championship and the Go Ahead Dublin Senior One Football Championship and looking ahead to what's in store for the final round of games over the next two weekends. Former Dublin under-20 hurling manager Paul O'Brien and former Dublin footballer Barry Cattle are going to be joining us alongside our Dubs TV commentator Oisín Langan. A little bit later on for our club focus, we're going to be uh, taking a look at Nave Olaf and chatting to their chairman, John Summers. First of all, though, let's look at the hurling. Okay, joining us this week to look back on the round two games in the Go Ahead Dublin Senior A Hurling Championship and look ahead to the uh, final round of uh, fixtures is former Dublin Under-20 Hurling Manager Paul O'Brien and our Dubs TV commentator Oisín Langan. Lads, thanks a million for joining us. A uh, quick look at the round two results again. It has been about a week or 10 days since the uh, results, since the games were played. So uh, Senior A Hurling Group 1 uh, wins for Nafina over Crave Kieran and, and uh, Whitehall Colin Kill beating Ballantyre St. John's. Group 2, Luke and Sarsfield with a pretty sizable win over St. Jude's and Vincent's beating Santanta as well. Group 3, Croaks had a big win over St. Bridget's and Kula beating Thomas Davis. And Group 4, Ballyboden St. Enda's uh, beating Fogs and Plunkett's beating Scully Connell as well. Um, I guess groups two and three, Paul, are the are the big kind of standout groups. So we'll start with those. And a big win for Luke and Sarsfield over St. Jude's the last day. Uh, it's a really big win in terms of the group as well. Luke and Sarsfield's Jude's and Vincent's still in with a very big chance of uh, getting out of group two. Luke and pretty much on the cusp of it. They, they need a heavy defeat to Vincent's in the last game not to qualify. How do you make uh, the, the performance of Luke and what do you make of the, the, that game there between Luke and, and uh, Jude's? Yeah, I suppose after the first round, I was I was actually a little bit surprised that the fact that that Jude's had bet had bet Vincent's, you know, um, and it, it's a really interesting one because I actually think in in, in twenty twenty Luke and went really really well in in getting to the the championship semi final, and I suppose with, with with Chris after being put back in centre back, they've a real they've a real nice balance to the team, um, in, in in how they're set up now, and like obviously Dowser and Paul Crummy done a lot of damage on the scoreboard. Um, scoring scoring a number of the goals there against Jude's. Like I think I think Luke and are, are are really really well set, um, and it's and 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 they're going well, and they've they've a good balance between young lads and experienced lads, and they've they've a very strong bench, um, and like with Sean McCaffrey looking after them, they're they're, they're well organised, they're really dogged, and I suppose they've had a number of different managers, but they're playing a similar similar type of system. For the last number of years, and and they, and they seem to be getting the the most out of themselves, um. So so it's an interesting one. I think I think Luke and are kind of up there as one of them teams who kind of have a strong chance of of winning the championship at this stage. But but in saying that, they're they're, they're playing Vincent's this weekend. Who, as I said, I was a little bit surprised that they were bet by Jodes because again, I think they're Vincent's are, are a real good outfit as well as as well as Jodes. And, and and I think they're like there could be a small bit of a kick out of out of Vincent's this weekend. And the fact you said Luke can have that bit of a, a bit of a margin there. Um I think we could we could possibly see three teams finishing on on four points there with, with Luke and still topping the group, you know, based on, on their 
they're, they're comfortable win against Jude, you know, because of the because of them goals. Yeah, it is a pretty complicated situation. Actually, I'm going to go through the permutations really quickly. Now we can spend all day talking about permutations at the same time. But the, the main gist of them is if two teams finish on the same number of points, the head-to-head result between the teams decide who finishes above who. But as you mentioned, if uh, three teams finish on the same number of points, and that is if Lucan, Jude's and Vincent's all finish on four points in Group 2, uh, it goes to score difference, but only in the games involving those three teams. So the results in the games involving the fourth team, in this case, it'll be uh, Satanta's games, uh, they're discounted completely. So it's slightly complicated if three teams finish on the same number of points. But from what I can gather, if Vincent's were to beat Lucan, it would pretty much, uh, and Lucan beat, Vincent beat Lucan, but not by a huge amount, by three or four points, it would pretty much put Vincent's and Lucan through and Jude's would miss out. Um, you mentioned there, uh, Paul. You were surprised by the, the the result the first day between Jude's and Vincent's. What did you make? What do you make of Jude's overall? I mean, again, they, they were. It was a strange game the last day. It, it seemed strange. But the, the goals sort of uh, skewed the game a small bit. It, it, not, not saying that Lucan didn't deserve the didn't deserve them, but it was kind of a strange game insofar as you couldn't really see how good or bad maybe Jude's were. What, what do you make of Jude's so far in the championship? Yeah, Jude's have been Jude's have been good this year, and, and and they're actually another team who who are well drilled. And w- one of the reasons I was particularly surprised by that result against Lucan is like the two lads they have in cornerback, Mangan and McLaughlin, have been real mainstays of that Jude's team for the last. I, I'm probably going to do them a discredit here now, but I'm going to say five or six years. But like when Jude's were in when the county final there a number of years ago, like the two boys were, were playing and flying and at that stage, and they're real experienced campaigners. And I was just surprised that that Lucan got as, as many goals as they got. But that's look, that's credit as well to Lucan. I, I genuinely think that that they're a, they're a team who are a serious contender to win to win this championship out, you know, and they do have that real edge and bit of steel to them, you know. Um, but look, Jude's, Jude's have scored heavily as well. Like Danny, I suppose Danny's the focal point of of, of their attack or or, or whatever. Um, but like Kevin Lehiff, particularly the first day out against Vincent was really, really good. And it, and, is, and is a fella who's kind of doing really well in, in, in assisting Danny there. And they, they're well set up. They're they're well set up, and even even Joey Joey in the full forward line, they're they're good. Like, is there so, a danger, Paul? Sorry to jump in there, but is there a danger that sometimes Danny nearly likes to take too much responsibility? And I say that in, in a complimentary way to him. And if it doesn't happen for him, or he's not nailing scores, then maybe Jude's aren't as effective, and they could actually do with taking a little less pressure or taking a little pressure off Danny, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you know what? There's there's one or one or two other fellas who who, who need to be stepped up. Danny steps up all the time for Jude's, like constantly. Every time they're playing championship matches, he steps up like he stepped up with Dublin all year this year, and and is a real leader. And it is very much about some some of them lads around him stepping up with him, you know. And um, but kind of, I suppose this weekend Jude's are Jude's are in limbo to a large extent because you have to expect that they're going to beat Satanta by by a few points or whatever but their fate is out of their hands sadly um Oshin, you had a look at you were obviously uh at, there for the luke and starters v jude's game paul's mentioned them as being potential uh winners of the championship obviously they they got to the semi-final last year and maybe surprised a few people last year what did you make of their performance against uh, jude's the last day typical uh, Lucan over the last couple of years, very hard working. The Crummies stepped up, a new goalkeeper in, didn't look out of place. Uh, Dowser, absolutely f- 
fantastic. Um, they just have a nice balance to the team as well. And they have goals in them. And that can make such a huge difference in any match, particularly to tight championship matches. I was really impressed with them. And I think as well, there's actually room for improvement. It's not like they won and you thought, oh God, okay, that's a peak for them. You actually got the feeling that they could do better. So I was I was very impressed with them. And I, I really do think from what I've seen so far, granted there's a couple of teams I haven't seen up close or haven't seen too many times. I think they're certainly in the running, but I did like the look of them. Um, we'll have a look now at Group 3. Uh, was the other... Uh group of death before the championship started and certainly that was the case chemical croaks st bridget's and kula and thomas davis um croaks have qualified they are one of the few teams who have actually secured the qualification croaks Bowden, and nafina have secured the qualification into the quarterfinal stage the big game this weekend is obviously st bridget's versus kula uh, to see who will join them because thomas davis are out um the last day, Croaks beating St. Bridget's. Uh, Oshin, we'll ask you about that because, again, that was a very str- another strange game. We've spoken about strange games already. Uh, St. Bridget's raced into this early lead and, and looked very commanding, looked very impressive in that, in that first 10 minutes and then fell away completely. Chemical Croaks completely took control of the game and Croaks winning it in the end by 128 to 29. A really worrying first 10 minutes for Croaks, but a hugely impressive last 50. Well, the first half for Bridget's, they were excellent. Croaks, you know, just about hung on to them and were level at halftime. And I, th- I won't say they were lucky to be level at halftime, but I think Bridget's were the better team in the first half. Granted, they missed an awful lot of chances. And I was kind of saying it on commentary, will they be made to regret that? And boy, were they. In the second half, and I'm not quite sure why this happened. It could be any number of reasons. And Paul, as a manager, will have a far more deep insight into this than I would. They look like a team whose battery went. Now, that might not necessarily be just down to a fitness thing. That could be just Crooks getting on the ball more, playing better, and then you're chasing the ball and it looks like you're tired. Maybe they went all out in the first half and just didn't have enough of the second half. I'd be curious to get Paul's view into that. But Crooks in the second half just used the ball better. And Oshino O'Rourke is playing in a far more deeper position than he has done before for Kilmacook Crooks. And the thing about him is, is he can actually use the ball really well. And no longer now is he waiting in the forward line for something to happen. Or no longer is he waiting for someone to get the ball to him. He's fighting for his own ball, which he's well capable of. I have to say, I was I was impressed by that. Uh, normally with corner forwards, we kind of associate them with being presented the ball, which is unfair in the modern day uh, hurling because that's not what a corner forward is anymore. But Oshin dropped deep and he's he's loving it. I think he, he loves getting on the ball, spraying it around, taking the shot on when it's on. The other thing was Lorca McMullen stormed into the game, absolutely stormed into the game. And he was good all throughout, but in the second half, he was up and he was down and he was the fulcrum for Kilmacud Crooks. Wasn't there last year, was a big loss. Um, and there's so much to admire about Lorca McMullen, by the way, on and off the field, for those of you who followed his story and he's told it very well. But like, they, they, you know, they just took control in that second half and I don't think Bridget's could lay a glove on them. Um, you know, is there still question marks about Kilmacud Crooks? Yeah, there is. There's probably question marks on every team that doesn't win the title because there's still bigger tests to come. But they were just immense in that second half. But Paul, like I was saying, I... I'm not quite sure what happened to Bridget's in that second half and why they look so flat. Was it an energy thing? Was it a just simple case of Crooks playing better? What was it? I don't know. I'm sure they're scratching their heads. And if, I, if they've identified the problem, then they have a chance against Kula. But again, I know we'll talk about Kula in a bit, bit more detail in a while. But what Kula is it? Is it the Kula with a lot of players back or is it the Kula that played against Kilmacud Crooks on the first day that were missing players and weren't great? But as we say, aberrations can happen on the first day. Look at Ballyboden last year. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that um, 
Bridges Crows game was really interesting. Like, so obviously Bridges kind of shot into that two two to to a point lead um after ten minutes or whatever. And like Donica Donica Ryan he, he, he kind of got a mismatch out in the wing and he went in and stuck it in the top corner and Johnny McGurk dropped, dropped the free short and it ended up in the back of the net. But the thing I was most impressed with, like at that stage, so seven points down, I was thinking, you know, Bridget's, Bridget's are in a really good position here now to to get the win and I suppose qualify, make sure they're going to qualify from the group, you know. But Croaks really got a handle on the game then and... I really like the the manner in which they're playing, and you kind of alluded to it to it there. Like they no longer have O'Shea inside in the in the inside line and being dependent on ball coming in. And like O'Shea is is a fabulous hurler with a great hurling brain, and he's a great fella to have out around that middle of the field, linking up, scoring out from distance himself, or or, or delivering it in, and like. Bridget's in particularly in that first quarter, they had their homework done. They were really well set up against Croaks and shot into that lead. But it was actually Croaks's adaptability that really impressed me that day, and particularly because their their age profile is actually young enough. Like they'd they Davy Crow playing, they they'd Brian Shee, they Park Lynn, and they'd Mark Rogan, all lads under twenty one. Eddie Gibbons in the goal. Who and you forget as well how young Ronan Hayes still is. He's still one of their go to guys, but you forget actually he's getting better all the time still. Yeah, and you know what? That that was that was probably the the thing that impressed me most about Croaks at the weekend. So obviously the first day out, Ronan Hayes ran amok against against Kula and he scored three, four from play or whatever he scored from play. Like Andy Dunphy completely shut him down. But the, the important thing is when he was shut down, Alex Considine, the other man in the inside line, Alex Considine was excellent. He won freeze, he got scores, he ran at he ran at Bridget's, he caused a lot of hassle. And Alex Considine, like Alex Considine and Ronan Hayes is a two man full forward line. Like they're carrying enough bulk and strength and pace to be covering the work of three men in there, you know? So it, it, it's something I was impressed with and very much with Croaks and, and similar enough to Nafina in, in the other group, they might be playing with two men in the inside line, but that's more of an attacking strategy than, than in the defensive ploy, if you know what I mean. Um, the that, that result, the, the Chemical Croaks uh, win over St. Bridget, sets up a really intriguing last round of group games this weekend. Uh, it's Bridget's against Kula, as I mentioned, Croaks have already qualified. Um, Paul, from the point of view of looking at the the Kula uh, so far in this championship, their opening day, as you mentioned, a really bad day against Kamuko Croaks. They were without a lot of players that day, it has to be said. They kind of uh, fought back a good bit against Thomas Davis the last day. They wouldn't be expected to beat Thomas Davis. 3.26 to 1.8, the final score. Got a couple of the lads back. They'll be hoping to get more of the guys back for this game against Bridges this weekend. What sort of Kula do you expect to see against Bridges this weekend? I mean, it's hard to tell without knowing, obviously, their team sheet. But the the Kula we saw the opening day against Chemical Croaks, probably not the Kula that we... Obviously not the Kula we, we've come to expect over the last few years, but not the Kula maybe we'll be seeing this weekend against St. Bridget's. Yeah, I, I'd, agree with, I'd agree with that, Derek. Like, even in 20, 2020, we'll say that the championship last year, like, Kula were, were well bet by Nafina the first day out and, and came back and... Won the championship, obviously. Um, now uh, they they got players back along along the course of that championship, and and, and they made adjustments which which were good. I like 
I, I'm led to believe that 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 Colin Cronin and Mark Shute won't be playing. Um, I don't know what the story is with the, the two O'Callaghan's who weren't there the first day out. Like, Kula, unlike some of the other clubs, haven't really got the strength and depth of of replacements that Bally Bowden do or Luke and do or, or, or Croaks or Nafina. Um, and it, it's an interesting one. I, I do think that Bridget's will very much, Johnny McGurk is an, is, is an excellent, is an excellent brain. He'll have his work done. He'll have his matchups right. Um, like, Andy Dunphy will be, be, be looking after someone. Cottle Doyle will be looking after someone. They'll have their, their work done about the place. Um, they'll, they'll be well set for Kula. And, and I would actually, I would fancy Bridget's to, to turn them over. Um, there, it, it, it'll be an intriguing game. That would be a huge result, obviously, uh, if Bridget's were to do that, knocking Kula out in, in the group stages. Uh, that'd, be, that'd be massive if, if that was to happen this weekend. Um, Oshin, do you see... Uh, the same sort of thing happening this weekend. W- 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 how do you see this game going this weekend? Well, fair play to Paul, first of all, for making such a big call. I'm trying to give you yes. the politician's answer. I, I do fancy Kula. Um, the, the thing is, is if, if Bridget's have sorted out that issue of that second half fade, whatever caused that, then yeah, they'll have a chance. And, you know, they've got um, great players, Jonica Ryan, Keno Sullivan, um, Paul Winters, you know, they've got a nice mix there as well. Johnny McGurk normally, uh, normally reliant on freeze, missed one or two the last day, but I think that was... That you know, in the main part, he will nail them. So there's an awful lot to like about Bridget's Kula, and I'll put an asterisk on my um, prediction here. It depends on who's back, because as Paul has said, like there's guys missing who I think even in the strongest of teams you'd struggle to replace. Um, but I'd still, I you know, the the, the know-how in winning games when you need to win them is a big thing in sport. And I think Cooler probably have that a bit more than Bridget's, you know, over the years, but look, maybe that's a prediction that I'm making because it's the easy one to say, you know, Cooler, they've all Ireland titles, they've Leinster titles, they've Dublin titles. So, you know, I, I can't see them losing, but I just, I think that win against Thomas Davis would have brought a bit of confidence back. If, if the confidence had been knocked the first day. And I, I, I like, I, 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 I think, I can see Kula getting through this one, but look, Derek, I could have a lot of egg on my face come the end of the weekend. It's as well there, just on that, like, and the four lads you mentioned from from Bridget's Ushin, like you mentioned Paul Winters and Donna Ryan. Like Donna Ryan missed the first day out, and he seemed to be he seemed to be coming back from an injury. Yeah. Paul Winters didn't seem a hundred percent right either. And um, Keno Sullivan, who is for the last number of years, has been one of the the most prolific scorers and electric players um at, at at club level. He he was well shut down. They shut down on Croke shut down on Dunn in the second half. And like Johnny McGork, he 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 would have done his cruise and, and and his back and the more games he's getting. Yep. Yeah and he'll get back up to the level he was at. I really, really think Bridges will be will be disappointed with how they went against Croaks. And there's gonna be there's gonna be a serious kick, and that's the game I'm by far most looking forward are, to. Be are all of those problems in the second half? And we can talk about the good stuff they did in the first half. But as a manager, and again, you can you have a far greater view on this than I do. As a manager, what do you look at more? The first half where they were on top, or the second half where they were second best? And are those second half issues correctable for this game against Kula in a relatively tight turnaround? Ah, uh, yeah. Look. Bridges, Bridges have a very good management team. They'll be looking to the next day out and they'll be looking to the cool and they won't be too worried about the last day because that's done and dusted and it's just getting getting things right for that cool game and 
I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to it. Yeah, really it'll be a belter. I, I don't know which of us is right or wrong, but uh, either One way. Of us and yeah. Or could be a draw. Probably me. <laughs> Paul, Paul uh, I've, I've said one thing and you said the other, so you know it's going to be a draw and none of us will be right here. Either way, I, one thing we will agree on, though, that'll be a belter. I mean, just a note, actually, we I, I got spoke to the CCC before this. A note, if it is a draw, because that would mean, obviously, their head-to-head means uh, it's a draw game. Uh, Kula would go through based on points difference overall. Kula are plus nine so far heading into this final round of group, group games. St. Bridget's are plus two. Yeah. So if it is a draw, it is Kula who go through uh, with chemical croaks. But again, that's yeah. one of the millions of permutations we could have. That game, by the way, is live on Dubs TV this Saturday evening at five o'clock on Saturday evening. Kula versus St. Bridget's. And in the other group, group two, as you mentioned, St. Vincent's taking on Luke and Sarasfield Sunday at four o'clock also on Dubs TV. Paul, I want to have a quick word. We we, we mentioned in Group 2, Satanta and Thomas Davis. You, you'd know quite a lot about the work that's been done in those clubs in terms of trying to grow the game there. Obviously, it's difficult when you're in these groups of death as Satanta were with Jews, Luke and Vincent, and uh, Thomas Davis obviously were with Kuma Kud, uh, Bridget and Kula as well. What sort of work is going on there behind the scenes to, to try and uh, improve, improve the game and improve hurling in those clubs? Yeah, I suppose Thomas Davis, Satanta have been up there for a while, but looking at Thomas Davis first, Johnny McLean done a really good job with them over the course of three or four years there, or could have been longer there even. Um, but they came up the, the grades championship boys, they came up at um they came up at championship boys and league boys and put a, a really good structure in place. And they've actually had they've like They've had a few good minor A teams as well in recent years, and obviously, their Davy Davy Kyo is is a big leader within the team. But um, we say Jack Dalton, Adam Waddock, they've 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 a lot of good fellas. Like I'm even, I was actually looking at at, at lads that were named on their bench, and like Derek Kerr is a good hurler. Like they've they've actually a lot of really good lads, and they're good physical and abrasive, and. They've actually just they've ended up cool in the last two years, and it's just been unfortunate that they haven't managed to get a winnable game. We'll say, um, and then Satanta, like, and I, I I work in DCU very close to Satanta, and would have done small bits a few years ago with them. Satanta are a really really good outfit, and are really fighting against the tide of of the way club hurling we'll say in Dublin is going where. There's some really strong clubs who are who are dominating the landscape, and I, they've they've been up there and up there completely on merit, um over over the last few years, and I think the restructure of the championship, um could allow them to get the opportunity to to win a few more games at, at senior level, um because I think there's just the way it is at the moment with sixteen teams, I think there's just a few games that just aren't working out, um in terms of. The, the top four to six teams and the rest. Um, we're going to look at now, so that's group two and group three uh, put to one side with with some um, big uh, uh, expectations for the game between uh, Akula and St. Bridges this weekend. Uh, look, really looking forward to that game. Group one, uh, Nafina versus Craig Kieran. Nafina beating Craig Kieran. Oshin, uh, the last day uh, sees Nafina to qualify. They have two wins from two, obviously, uh, beating Whitehall the opening day. Your assessment of Nafina so far, Oshin, uh, I'm guessing, like many people, they're certainly in the top two or three teams uh, for people's predictions to win the championship this year. 
Well, I think what has really made a difference is the arrival of Liam Rush. I mean, a player like that, he does so much on the field, but I imagine he does so much off it as well. He's an anchor, even if he doesn't have the most pace in the world, he always knows where to be to get the ball and to be in the right position to start an attack or to stifle an attack from the opposition. I think he's made a huge difference and he could be the difference. And generally speaking, one doesn't like to pick out individuals, but sometimes an individual can make a huge difference. And I think he has made a huge difference. It's interesting with Nafina. They've got such competition at goalkeeper. They've got good players all over the park. But I think if you're asking me what makes me think they could be in the running this year, the answer is very much Liam Rush. Paul, it's much like um, Lucan Sarsfield. Lucan Sarsfield got to the semi-finals last year, as did Nafina. But Nafina, I guess, in a different way, have been coming through for the last few years. A lot of young players. We we know a lot of the guys. Obviously, Donald Burke is one of the big players from a Dublin point of view and from a uh, from a Nafina point of view. A lot of young guys in there. AJ Murphy doing very well. Um, what's your assessment of Nafina this year? Can, can Liam Rush make that difference between them being semi-finalists last year and losing in the semi-final? to potentially going all the way for the first time. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's 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 a really interesting one as well because I actually think with, with the county this year, Liam probably had his best season in, in about four or five years. He's he's really trimmed down. He's he, he's a centre-back. He's playing in, in the position he, he should be playing in. And O'Shane, was a term, he's stifling a lot of attacks. And he is, like, his, his reading of the game and doing... He he's not flamboyant in 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 the two games with Nafina so far, but he's doing the right thing, and the system the system that we say Nafina are playing, um, with kind of kind of a lot of runners coming from that kind of half back line and Lincoln play well and and delivering inside to it a two man full forward line similar to the Croaks. I think it, it's really. It's working to Liam's strengths, um, and like you have, you have the likes of Paulo D, Michal Murphy, Martin Quilty, uh, all around that, that area at the field. Donna Ryan is hurling well, um, Sean Baxter is, is is a fella there who's who's typically named at cornerback, but he's he he, he doesn't in, in amount of scoring, and they're really good at building attacks and and, and moving forward. They're a team who have interested me so far because they played they played well in their two games. Again, this weekend, they're playing Ballantyr. I think they're going to have come out of the group ill-prepared um, for for the quarterfinal. But I, I, knowing their management team, Nelly and, and a couple of other people in, in, involved there, they'll, they'll have their work done and they'll be right for, we'll say, a big game in, in, in two and a half weeks' time. You know, It's just they haven't, we haven't got to, to fully see what they're about yet. What I really love about Liam Rush, Paul, and and I've got to watch him up close, obviously, over the last couple of games and over the last number of years, is his close control, if I can use that terminology. And I know this might seem a bit like a rugby phrase, but his ability to get through a tackle and get the ball out of a tackle. And that's when you're playing the running game that they're playing and you mentioned it there, that's so vital. And I think other guys can learn from that as well. And sometimes I said it to, um, God, I nearly forget who was co-commentating with me that day as well. I think it was Dotsy. I was saying that Liam is nearly taking the ball into contact just to show that he can get out of it, you know. He's amazing to watch up close and he's making such a big difference or could make such a big difference to Nafina this season. Yeah, you know, what? That, that's a really interesting one, O'Shane, because I think he does bring the ball into contact a lot, but I actually think it's to draw a man or a second man into him 
and and it, it works really well with Nafina because if you have the likes of Michal Murphy who's been playing quite deep there and he's coming off a shoulder taking ball or or a pacey fella like Paul O'Dea coming off a shoulder taking ball it's it, it, they're kind of into that middle area that delivery zone or scoring zone straight away so he's he's exactly what they need to to push on you know he's amazing to watch and like you I'd like to stick a, a rush cam on him just to show that sometimes he draws two or three lads and he it doesn't bother him. It doesn't knock a spot off him. It's like he's taking a golf shot and there's no one on him. It's it's amazing to watch. Um, that Nafina result against Craig Kieran, 224 to 115. Oshin, you were obviously commentating on that game. The Craig Kieran, what do you make of Craig Kieran's performance? Because they're still very much in the mix in terms of qualification. Craig Kieran versus Whitehall Colin killed in the last day. Volunteer are out, so it's Nafina are qualified. So Craig Kieran versus Whitehall Colin Kill is a, a winner takes all uh encounter what do you make of Crave that day are they a team who potentially can beat Whitehall but are they a team who could go on in, into the championship depending on who they meet in the quarterfinals if they were to qualify and and do a bit of damage in there as well yeah I, I actually think it was Marcus who commentated but you're confusing two croaks men so I understand I sorry understand I do apologize yes I think Marcus might be a bit offended that uh, he was confused for me but uh, not the other way around um yeah look I, I, Crave you have to love uh the work um, that they have done. I mean, would they have the the resources in a playing sense that other teams would? No, probably not. But what they've done with what they have is pretty impressive. And going into this last game against Whitehall, Column Kill, the question is, is a bit like cool actually, who's available and who isn't for Whitehall? Is Owen O'Donnell definitely out? I'm not sure. Uh, will he be on the pitch or will he be up in the commentary booth beside me? I'm not sure. And he's such he's such an incalculable loss. And he was for Dublin as well this season. I was saying it to people before the Leinster final against um, Kilkenny about Owen O'Donnell. And look, obviously there was other issues. The COVID thing hit as well, which was, you know, really costly. But even without that, you had own injured. And I was saying to people, you don't understand how big a loss he would be to any team, let alone a county team or a club team. Um, and that's the question I would have going into this game. Have Whitehall got their, got their kind of injury issue? If not sorted, certainly improved. So look, that's a very hard one to call. And again, you know, I can I can hide for cover here and give the political answer of until I actually see the starting 15s and I know who's starting, it's it's a really difficult one to predict. Paul, uh, the Whitehall result over balance here at St. John's the last day, 21 points to 115, giving Whitehall a chance uh, to qualify. Big, big win for Whitehall. What do, what do you make of that game going into the last round The Whitehall crave? What's your expectations in that? Yeah, so look, I did. I didn't see any of that um, Whitehall Volunteer game. Um, I was, I was, I was at the Whitehall Nafina game in Parnell Park. I think it was a Friday evening, um, and Nafina just blew them out of the water in the first quarter. And after that, there wasn't a huge amount between the teams, but the game was over after fifteen minutes. I think, I think Nafina had put up fifteen or sixteen scores at that stage. Um, I won't be like Ushin and I'll give an answer of who I think will win. <laughs> I, I think Crave will win that game um, because I think Crave are used to winning tight games where they need to go out and beat a team. Um, and I, I think they've, they've a lot of really, really smart hurlers. Um, I, I, I think Billy Ryan and Kane Derwin are always, always dangerous in the forwards. And then we'll say half back line forward on, on top of that, like the likes of Connor Ryan and, and Robbie Matten, Gary Kelly, Paul Kelly, they're used to the ball 
is absolutely top class. And they'll they'll pick pockets in I would I would expect them to pick pockets in in, in Whitehall um over the course of the, the game and 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 be successful. Um but but again Oshin Oshin is right, it depends on, on Owen O'Donnell, you know, and it also depends on how how they deploy um Dara Gray who like Eddie Moran actually th- that day against Nafina after the first quarter they put Eddie Moran who would have been with the Dublin 20s in 2021 they would have put him onto Donald Burke and done, he done a, he done a really good job on Donald Burke because I, I was actually watching it closely and I was very impressed with him he'll he could be detailed to Mark Keane Darwin or, or, or Billy Ryan um, and if he's if he's able to shut down one of them fair play to him because they're they're two serious operators and it'll be just some of the matchups in, in in that game will be interesting because both teams have some really good players. And look, if own if own is available, it'll be it'll be a massive boost as well. And as I said, where where they play Dara Gray, um, and it'd be it'll be interesting. It'd be interesting. And look, they're they're two clubs, five hundred meters from each other, if even. So there's that nice little bit of an edge of of a local derby to it as well, you know. And knockout hurling as well. Uh, obviously, so uh, that game is live, by the way, on Sunday afternoon, two o'clock, Craig Kieran versus Whitehall, Column Kill, part of a double header on Sunday, St. Vincent's taking on Luke and Sarsfields at four o'clock. And we'll move to group four, finally. Um, Ballybowden St. Enders have now qualified there through two wins from two after their win over Fogs the last day and Plunkett's beating Scully Cunnell. It means the last round of games sees Ballybowden taking on Skull and Fogs versus Plunkett's in a winner-takes-all tie, the winner of that going through uh, alongside Ballyboden St. Enders. Um, Oshin, Ballyboden versus Fogs. Uh, big win in the end, double scores. Yeah, 125 to 14 points, a double scores win. Probably unfair on Fogs, though. I mean, Ballyboden deserved to win, but probably not by double scores. Uh, what did you make of that game? Well, I think with Ballyboden, if they get a run on you, that's it. Good night and good luck. They've just got such strength and depth um, and scoring power as well. Generally speaking, um, and I say this as a as a Waterford fan and a man who plays junior F hurling. So believe you me, I know what it is to be the victim of a big score. If a team puts a big score up on you, then that's deserved. Um, so look, Ballyboden pushing on two fronts again this year. Very impressive outfit. Um, great to see Connell Keeney still pressing on both fronts as well. He's a, he's, he's an icon to all of us older guys who still step out onto the pitch. Granted, he's doing it at a far higher level than most of us. Um, but yeah, look, Ballyboden, I think are certainly in the conversation for the county title. Paul, I think you were talking about be beforehand talking about the fact you're still a star junior two hurler, is it? With Crumble? junior C, so, so I'm, a oh, wow. level, I'm a few levels ahead of Ushie now. Our path won't cross, unfortunately. No, well, <laughs> maybe we're, we're we're on the road to relegation, possibly if we we lose this weekend. So um, I certainly won't be comparing myself like Oshin did to Conal Keeney anyway. That's <laughs> As I said, you know what? I said it to Conal Keeney once. I was kind of standing beside him. I was like, we're not even the same species. Like, I mean, I don't feel like I'm a human being when I look at you. Uh, Paul, looking at Ballybones and Ed, is it? Uh, we mentioned Conal already. We mentioned uh, Paul Ryan, who I think came off the bench in their opening game against Plunkett's. A lot of experience in, in there, a lot of young guys in there as well. They, they brought through a lot of young guys, so it's an interesting blend of players that they have. And it's about maybe how they all blend together 
uh, over the next. They've obviously qualified for the quarterfinals and they'll face uh, one of the teams, the, the second place team in Group Three. So it'll be Kula or Bridget's, you would think. Um, so a lot to a lot to do there for Ballybones and Enders, but still, what what you kind of make of their blend and, and how do you see them maybe progressing if they do take on a a Kula or Bridges in the quarterfinal? Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to be honest and, and I'm going to play the I don't know here at all. Both of them played two games. I was at their, their game against Oliver Plunkett and I actually thought Plunkett had put it up to them a little bit more than, than they did. Um, and, 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 and they bet Fogs well and Fogs played a sweeper trying to protect themselves. But, you know, Bowden are just able to regenerate and get lads in and go really well. I don't think anyone really has a clue about what Ballyboden are like because over the course of the three games, they'll have used a lot of different fellas. They'll have tried fellas out because they know they're they're trying to be right. They're always going to qualify from the group. They're always going to top it and they're trying to gear towards a quarter final. And I'd say possibly what's going on in the training ground over in, in Porky Muraku or or, or Ballycullen or wherever they're training, I'd say that could be more relevant than, than what we'll see against Scully Connell at the weekend, you know? And sorry to um, jump in there, Paul, just on that point you were making there about we don't know what maybe their starting 15 is or what their best 15 is, and maybe they don't know either yet. Maliki Travers, I talked to him after the first game, I think it was, and he said that was something they wanted to look at. He said they, they were maybe a little light off the bench over the previous couple of years. And they wanted to increase those options because they had an awful lot of young players coming through. So if you get the likes of Ryan, Dooley, Mellet, and I know there's a mix, a mix in age range ranges there, but you know those are still four good solid players. You know if you get the likes of them playing well, then you have increased options after that. You're a pretty good outfit. But he just he did say that he said, you know what, you get to minute fifty in the game, you want to be able to sure that you want to be sure that you're up. You have options to strengthen the team rather than p- be putting guys out there and kind of be hopeful. And it's something they obviously have been working on and looking at. So how that, ex- do we say experiment? I'm not sure how that evolution is going. I think you're right. I think we'll find out maybe in the knockout games. Yeah. Or I game. You know? I don't think we're going to find out anything about Ballyboden this weekend. That's right. Um, and like, I, w- I was actually at their league game earlier on in the year um, against Kula, the very first day out. And both teams missing probably seven or eight fellas each. But Bowden's panel depth in comparison to Coolers was very noticeable, you know. And like they've they've a lot of good lads. They've obviously a lot of lads who played Dublin underage um at, at various stages. And something I'm really impressed with is is I suppose how they're using Aiden Mellet um and his 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 runs like from really deep to get on ball and cause damage. The likes of Niall Ryan, they have serious options and I really don't like I don't think anyone knows outside of the, the Ballyboden camp exactly what we're going to get. But like with Maliki Travers, Court and Mickey, Mickey McCullough involved, they're going to be well prepped. And they'll probably come into that quarterfinal in, in a situation where, be it whoever goes to play against them, won't really know what they're, they're coming up against. Whereas Bowden will have their plan ready and they'll be good to go. But we'll see. In a relevant weekend for them. Yeah, absolutely, because the big game in that group is uh, Plunkett's versus Fogs, which is on um, Fogs versus Plunkett's at three o'clock on Saturday, live on Dubs TV as well. That's in Parnell Park. Uh, that is the big game. You said you were at the Plunkett's, uh, Paul, the Plunkett's versus Whitehall, uh, sorry, Plunkett's versus Bally Bowden game. 
Bowden in, in, in the first first round. Um, how do you see that game going? Because that, that is, again, winner takes all. How do you see Plunkett's versus Fogs going? Yeah, do you know what? It, it, again, it's, it, it's, it's an interesting game. I think possibly whoever wins it won't go any further than the quarterfinal, but it'd be massive progress for for either team to to get to the quarterfinal. I actually think over the last number of years they they played each other a lot in championship, and Fogs have had just had the the upper hand in it. Now, again, I'll I'll, I'll make a call in it, and I do think Plunkets are going to beat them. Um, I think Plunkets have a nice blend of, of young lads coming through, and um, some fellas I. I I'd really like to see pushing on and going well, the likes of Ben McSweeney and, and, and Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes has been really good for them in their, their two days out so far and, and in the league final, the Division 2 league final. Um, they, they have a lot of good lads, Tom Cullen, David Field and Connor Scully, a lot of really good young lads coming through. Um, and I'd like to see them take on, some of them young lads take on a real leadership role at Plunkett's because the day... They played Barry Bowden, and um, like Niall Arthur was a big addition to them, um, and he, and he, and he was good in the league final as well. But I, I think some of them young Dublin lads need to be becoming the leaders rather than be it Niall Arthur or, or, or Bill McCormick in the goal. They were two good, two, two really good hurlers and experienced hurlers. But the young lad, if if the young lads push on and surpass them in terms of leadership quality, then I think Plunkett's will be a force to be reckoned with. You know. Okay, good stuff. Just a reminder of the fixtures um, this weekend before we uh, finish up. Crave Kieran taking on Whitehall, Colm Kill in Group 1 uh, is the big game again, winner takes all. Nafina already qualified taking on Ballantyre St. John's also in Group 1. That's uh, Sunday, those games, both at 2 o'clock, the Crave Kieran versus Whitehall game in Parnell and Nafina versus Ballantyre in O'Toole Park. Group 2, the really, really big game. Luke and Sarsfield taking on St. Vincent, Parnell Park at 4 o'clock. Very much... Uh, uh, an intriguing group. St. Jude's taking on Satanta in the other game. Obviously, Vincent's needing a win to qualify from Group 2. Uh, that St. Jude's-Satanta game on a two park at 4 o'clock. Kula versus St. Bridget's, another huge game this weekend. Saturday, Parnell Park, 5 o'clock. And Chemical Croaks taking on Thomas Davis, 5 o'clock in a two park on Saturday. And then Sunday, uh, sorry, Saturday as well, Group 4. Fogs taking on Plunkett's. Again, the big game in Group 4. Saturday at, at 3 o'clock. And Bally Bowden St. Enders taking on Scully Cunnell or two Park, three o'clock on Saturday as well. And the four games live on Dubs TV this weekend Fogs versus Plunkett's Saturday at three, Cooter versus St. Bridget's Saturday at five, Craig Kieran versus Whitehall, Colin Kill Sunday at two, and St. Vincent's versus Luke and Sarsfield Sunday at four. It really is a winner takes all sort of weekend. There's so much on the line uh, in all of those games, as I mentioned. So it's really, really something to look forward to this weekend. Four really big games, which. Uh, will obviously decide the quarterfinalists. Paul O'Brien and Oshin Langan, thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure. No problem. Oshin's staying with us now as we turn our focus to the football after this short break. Okay, welcome back. Well, it's time to talk football now. Oshin Langan has stayed with us, and we're delighted to be joined by former Dublin footballer Barry Cal. Hi, Barry. Derek, good to be here. Well, it was a very interesting weekend in the, of action in the Go Ahead Dublin Senior One Football Championship. Some big results, which uh, sets us up very nicely for the final round of group games coming up uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, Barry, we're going to take a look at Group One first of all, and the big game there, I guess, of the weekend, big game of the whole weekend, really was. 
uh, Ballyboden St. Andrews versus Nafina, two teams that uh, a lot of people were talking in Parnell Park this weekend as being potentially the two teams who will get to the final, depending on how how uh, the, the the competition goes. But maybe two of the best teams in the competition. What did you make of the game? Obviously, Ballyboden St. Andrews coming out on top, one fourteen to fourteen points. Yeah, I, I probably would have expected the Ballyboden to shade it. Um, certainly, they are two teams that are very much in contention. Probably with the likes of of Chemical Croaks and Ballymun would probably be the, the top four teams that I would see at this particular time. But um, you know, Ballyboden they, they've been there and done it all at this stage. Um, very experienced, a lot of good talent there as well and you know not too many lads who are sort of full-time committed with the county as well which certainly helps um you obviously have the two Bascals. i think michael darren mccauley is away at the moment so um he's certainly a loss but Ballyboden absolutely will be there thereabouts and the fina so the fina have been coming for a long time really um they have had all that underage success um going back a few years now but um, they seem to have a really nice mix. I think, I think Desi Farrell did a good job with them a couple of years, uh, about three years ago, brought them on a couple of levels. And yeah, there's just a lot of quality in that team, whether it's um, Connor McHugh or um, obviously Johnny Cooper and you know a n- number of other guys that would have featured with you know Dublin minor teams and Dublin under 20 teams over the last three, four years. So um, like that game will actually really will stand in the FINA. Um, even though they lost it, I think it's a good game for them to have under their belt, and you know should put them in 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 a good place heading into the final round of group games. But you know it's great time of the year to be looking at the club championships because there's so much to play for in this sort of knock uh, round robin style. The last group game, um, pretty much everyone has something to play for, whether it's to stay out of relegation or to get into the top two into the quarterfinals. So um, it really is coming towards sort of the business end of the, of the season and, and very much feels like knockout football from here on in. Yeah, big time. As you mentioned there, Barry, um, th- we were talking about it all fair, the fact that actually no team has yet qualified for the quarterfinals yet in the uh in any of the, the groups. Chemical Croaks look very likely to do so, but and a few teams look likely to do so, but at the same time, at the moment, no team is actually qualified yet. In Group 1, uh, even Whitehall, Conkill have an outside chance of, of qualifying. It seems unlikely at this stage, but certainly they have a, they have a chance. Ballyboden, Rohini and Afina all uh, sitting on two points after their opening games. Just a reminder, Ballyboden against Rohini, their game uh, will have to be replayed due to a regulation breach. So uh, Ballyboden have only played one game, as ever, Rohini have played one game uh, so far, Nafina have played two. Interesting, though, will be as well, uh, from a Nafina point of view, looking at after the game at the weekend, it'll be first place in Group 1, will play uh, second place in Group 2, and vice versa. So if you finish second in, in Group 1, um, you will you probably end up playing Chemical Croaks yeah. in, in the in the quarterfinals. And that might have been a carrot in terms of the weekend for this Ballyboden St. Ennis and Nafina game to try and avoid chemical croaks for as long as possible in the championship. It looks as though, again, depending on how results go, there's so much to play for still in, the, in yeah. this group. But that result could be key in terms of deciding the quarterfinal places. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I know Ballyboden, as you mentioned, have to play Rohini um, next week. And then it's Ballyboden v Whitehall, which you'd expect them to win that game quite comfortably. I think Whitehall has, have been doing well to be competitive at this level. 
Um, but there, you know, it is cutthroat um, at Senior One Club Championship in Dublin. So um, certainly there was a lot uh, riding on that Ballyboden Nafina game at the weekend. But like you know, for Nafina um, to get over Rahini then that weekend and into the quarterfinals, I think last year they had a brilliant, or two years ago they had a brilliant win over Ballymun at the quarterfinal stage. So um, look, you're going to have to play the top teams at some point. Sometimes it's actually beneficial getting them maybe a couple of weeks before they get into a final when teams are trying to peak for, let's say, you know, November time when, when the finals take place. So, um, look, still a lot to, to be played for. And, and I still think, you know, there's a lot more in that Nafina team. Um, so I wouldn't rule them out over the next month or so. Uh, the other game in that group as well, Rohini had a bad defeat in the game against Ballyboden St. Enders, which now has to be replayed nonetheless. But still, they had a, a heavy enough defeat in that game uh, they needed to be Whitehall, Colm, Kill, O'Sheen at the weekend, and they uh, they did that, 3.14 to 3.9. It puts them right in contention for a place in the quarterfinals now, uh, O'Sheen, because if uh, Rohini were to get a result against Bally Bowden or Nafina in the in the last uh, their last two games, they are right in the mix for a quarterfinal spot. It really gives them a, a great chance. And obviously, uh, I think speaking to people, who were at the game at the weekend, the Rahini versus Whitehall game on Friday night. The two Bryans, uh, Howard and Fenton, uh, played a huge part in that. And obviously they have a lot of quality throughout their team in terms of being potentially able to get into the quarterfinals. They absolutely do. And there's an assumption maybe with the refixture between Ballyboden and Rahini that because Ballyboden won it well the first day, that they'll win it well again the second day. I think Barry Cattle can probably tell you better than I ever could how hard it is to beat a team twice in a season. Yeah. Rahini, like... They had a really bad first day, but we've seen that in the championship before. Good teams kind of off days and they bounce back. We saw it in the hurling last year. Like Ballyboden were battered by Kilmacud Croaks and it was Ballyboden who were in the final, not uh, Kilmacud Croaks. So I wouldn't be writing Rahini off in this group. I certainly wouldn't be writing them off for that fixture against Ballyboden. And look, you mentioned that the two Bryans and everything around them, if they spark, then they're a match for anyone. And this is what I love about this championship. There are no givens. And you mentioned it there, Derek. And I understand why you would, frame it that way that maybe teams would want to avoid certain teams but I think Barry raised a very good point that maybe you're better off getting what you would class as the better teams earlier look, look for example if Ballymun Kickhams they're missing a few players now they're still an absolutely outstanding outfit but if you could get them earlier rather than later when those viewers might be fitter and back you'd be better off Nafina Owen Merchant the other day if he's back obviously I mean they're a good team as it is they're a lot better with Owen Merchant any team will be a lot better with Owen Merchant firing on all cylinders um now what the situation is with them I'm not sure but Rahini certainly they're they're absolutely not out of this and that was a good win at the weekend and maybe that's their starting point rather than the game against Ballymun where things went wrong Ballymun are a good or sorry Ballyboden I beg your pardon Ballyboden are a good team they got a run at them and and when it goes wrong in this championship you will be punished because you're up against such good teams so Rahini's still very, very much in this, um, very much in this championship. Oshin, you were on uh, Dubs TV co uh, commentary duty on Sunday for the Group 2 game, Clinical Croaks against St. Vincent's. A very strange game, it has to be said, Oshin, because I think uh, Croaks were 10 points to one up approaching half time. It very much looked to everybody in Parnell Park like it was game over. Uh, Vincent scored a goal just before half time and ended up getting level by the 42nd minute. Uh, I think it was 2-4 to 10 points after um, the 42nd minute. Uh, Croaks obviously were able to finish stronger and, and pull clear in the end, and they won in, in the end by 115-27. A very strange game. One thing, though, speaking to the Chemical Croaks afterwards, 
was the fact that uh, Crokes are kind of a bit worried about the fact that they haven't, not worried, but they're disappointed they haven't been able to put a 60-minute performance together. That's shown, again, in their game against Castlenock and again at the weekend. And that could be an issue for them or something at least they have to work on going forward. There's a mix of old and young in that team. And you have to keep in mind as well, they've lost a lot of experienced players like Keno Sullivan is a huge loss. Uh, Nestor in goal, okay, Ferris played well the other day, uh, but he's a bit of a loss as well. So they're kind of mixing in old and young players. So these things happen, I think, when you're doing that. And the fact of the matter is, is yes, they haven't put a 60-minute performance together, but ultimately they have won their games. So they're working off a very positive base rather than a very negative base. And you do get the feeling that those performances are coming. They have a strong bench. Like, I mean, when you're bringing an inter-county player like Shane Horan off the bench, you know you're in a good place. Now, maybe he starts the next day or maybe he wants to get in. Keen O'Connor is another guy who I think could be in with a shout of starting and these are strong players they don't weaken your team by coming in so they're kind of evolving nicely Vincent's got back into it uh, they played their way in it wasn't a matter of Kimmico Crokes taking their foot off the gas Vincent's have good players and uh, an absolute maestro in, in in Mossy Quinn who missed a few chances early on but given his experience didn't let it get to him stood up when he was needed McCusker took his goal really really well um, and they got a bit of a run going now Crokes kind of Will I say overpowered them in the end? I'm not so sure. They just used the ball better maybe in the end. But it was a very, very close run thing. And again, it's one of those situations, if the game was played again tomorrow, it might go very differently. But look, Crokes are evolving nicely. I still think they have to settle on their best 15. But that that in itself is a bit of a misnomer because your best team isn't necessarily... Your best match day squad, your best match day approach is how I should phrase it because it's, it's not your best 15 anymore because you have to plan for those last 10, 15 minutes where your subs need to make an impact. And it can be hard to explain to fellas, well, actually, you're not starting, but you are just as important as a starter. I don't think the player's mindset has come around to that, and I can understand that because every guy and girl wants to start. But they're in a good place, Kimmicud Crooks. And um, when, they, w- when they're doing the running off the shoulders thing and moving the ball well, they're hard to stop. The trouble is, is at times that has broken down and decision-making, we'll say in the final third, has kind of let them down a bit at times in games in the first um, couple of rounds. But look, isn't it a great place to be to be going into round three, to have won two games and to still think to yourself, well, you know what? We can actually get better. And they do look like they'll get better as well. And I think the big yeah. thing for, for Kilmacud Crokes as well is is obviously having Paul Mannion back full-time. Oh, yeah. I mean, he would have been a serious addition for any club team in the country to have training week in, week out on, on a regular basis. And even the same with Rory O'Carroll. I was chatting with Rory um, there a couple of weeks ago. He's really enjoying his football. Um, getting out around the, the half-back line, winning ball and getting on plenty of ball, and he looks refreshed. And like having two guys of that stature, experience, you know, multiple All Ireland winners in your changing room, in your club team setup, week in, week out for the last three, four, five months, is huge because you know they they raise the standards um, in training and in preparation and, and in matches as well. So um, I think that's been a real plus for, for Kilmacud Crokes this year because, you know, having county players come back um, post uh, an All-Ireland semi-final or final um, can be very much uh, hit or miss uh, depending on the mindset of the player and how, how well the championship went for him or how, how well he's been man- maybe managing injuries and that type of thing. Um, so certainly I think those two guys yeah. would, for me, I suppose, nearly put Kilmacud Crokes as favourites because they're having the likes of them full time. A special mention as well for Tom Fox, who's a boot twin of Paul Mannion. They both wear the Illuminous Orange and you have to justify it when you wear a boot that colour. But Tom Fox has so far and Craig Diaz coming off the bench as well always <clears> looks like he's kind of solidifying things 
when he comes in. So, uh, you know, I, I would agree with Barry that uh, Mannion and O'Carroll look like they're enjoying it. They are enjoying it and they're playing some of the best club football I've seen them play. Um, for, well, I was going to say for a long time, it's not like their standards ever drop, but they look, they just look absolutely immense out there. Barry, you mentioned it a couple of times now at this stage, I guess you're looking at very early days. It's only week two, but you are looking maybe at Chemical Croaks and Afina and Ballyboden as the three teams to beat so far, pending maybe a return to form of Ballymont Kickhams later on in the championship if they get all their guys back. But certainly at the moment, they're the three teams who are in the best form. Yeah, I think so. Um, look, on paper, Ballymont, I think, are still the best team in Dublin um, last year it was well set up for them in terms of how the COVID situation developed that they had the full team available to them week in week out before the county guys got back involved in Dublin and to be honest they were so good in Dublin last year They, I think they would have went, went on and won the All-Ireland Club if there had been a, a provincial and All-Ireland series last year um, they just looked phenomenal and even some like it looked for a year or two that they might be going into a little bit of a transition with some of their more established players um, on the wrong side of 30 and with a lot of mileage on the clock and I know a few of their key guys would have went to play the intermediate as well but like they have a lot of younger guys that just came through and again would have benefited for, for those three or four months last year of having the group training together in the good weather uh, with all your county players so um, on the flip side of that you know you do have a lot of tired county players coming back into the mix and even just it's a strange dynamic and I would have seen it with Bridges as well I mean like going back even as far as 2002 we had a couple of players on the Dublin team myself and Pat Andrews we had six in total on the panel when it came into championship it was very hard to get those lads integrate them back into the team because the team is operating in a different system, a different style and moving personnel around, you you know, your county players come back in and all of a sudden you feel like they should be the spying of the the club team, whereas there might be guys doing really, really well uh, week in, week out with your club. So I think that's something that Ballymun has struggled with in previous years, with last year being the exception because the club championship was on before the inter-county season. But like, you know, it won't take much for Ballymun to kick into gear. They had a really good test the first day against Thomas Davis, came through it in the last sort of quarter of that game and really pushed on. Um, surprising results at the weekend, it has to be said. I mean, Scaries are a very capable, gamey team at, at this level and more than hold their own. But, um, you know, it was actually a game that Scaries could have probably won because it, they had a, they had that lead going into injury time. Ballymun did well to, to, to claw that draw. But, like, it's very much all to play for in that championship. But you would think that Ballymun in two weeks, four weeks, six weeks down the road, they should be a little bit stronger and a little bit more in tune with each other. Yeah, that was... Uh... Again, that, that group, as you mentioned, Ballymun Kickham's on three points, Scaries Harps on three points, uh, Thomas Davis on two, and Clont- so Clontarf are out, but the other three teams very much have a chance to to uh, kick on. Thomas Davis against Clontarf was the other game of that group, and Thomas Davis really obviously needed the win in, in, in that game to uh, have any chance of qualifying. Uh, from a Ballymun point of view, though, you've mentioned it there, uh, Barry, uh, in terms of getting, the, getting these guys back. Again, ca- can you just switch that on? Can you just decide not decide but can you just you know having those guys those, those guys back in the likes of uh you know dean rock due to he, he wasn't there the last day paddy small didn't uh, start the last day john small was missing as well these guys can you just bring those guys back in and then hope that they kind of you know work together as a team having maybe not really played as part of a team for the last you know, year or so 
Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's a tricky situation because county players can, when they finish with their county, um, if, if it hasn't gone well for them, it can be a bit of a tough period for them because they're maybe a little bit fed up with football and they're feeling tired and maybe emotionally trained as well. Um, and they and only be... have six All-Irelands or so, so you'd be feeling <laughs> down about that as well, wouldn't you? That's awful. <laughs> Well, it sounds good in theory, but in, in practice, yeah. it, it can be a little different. But, you know, lads sometimes get a little break. They might get a few days abroad or whatever. And, you know, it can be hard for the management team just to get everyone back in tune. And even with, with Evan coming for them goals, I mean, like he's one of the top uh, goalkeepers in the country. But like he hasn't been available for the last three, four months, you know, uh, for kickouts for league matches, for training, for challenge matches. So, you know, Evan coming into the goals is a totally different scenario than, than having any other goalkeeper in there in terms of kickouts, getting quick balls off, maybe hitting the wings, being well able to go 70 yards down down the middle to a, to a James McCarthy, for example. So um, it does take a little sort of handle with care type scenario for a management team to try and get them back in and get them motivated again. But um, it, it can turn around pretty quickly if they can just gel at a certain point maybe they could have a, a challenge game between the two champ- championship matches if there's an opportunity and all of a sudden things can click and you can get up and running again and, and certainly you know Ballymun will be a formidable opponent for any team that they play against over the next few weeks um, and if you're to beat them you know you're probably probably going to be the favourites for the championship uh, Oshin a mention for Scary's Harps who uh, as I think Barry mentioned earlier on probably deserved to to win that game against Ballymun Kickhams at the at the weekend. Uh, had a few goal chances in that game. Uh, had chances to win the game. Obviously, they went a point ahead in in injury time, and then uh, Ballymun uh, Fick Andrews leveling the game with the last kick of the game to make it at one twelve to fifteen points. A really young team. Uh, what did you make of Scaries? And I guess looking at them potentially for the future if, if not for this season obviously there's still have a chance of qualifying out of the group a big chance of qualifying out of the group but even it's great to see a, a young team uh, progressing as they are well, I was speaking to their manager Terry McGuinness the former Derry Ford and I know you were speaking to him as well Derek after the game and you got a sense from him that he was delighted with what his team produced he was perhaps a little bit down about the result but I don't think he could have asked any more from his team they're just wonderful to watch I think Barry made a great point there about when you have a team that has a lot of inter-county players and you're kind of dropping them back in late into a season there's a lot of unknowns about it because maybe they're carrying injuries maybe they're a little little down about how the season ended and there's all these kind of considerations whereas Scaries for the most part have got to play together they've got to work together and you could see that during the game and by the way absolute respect for Firon for actually going for the goal in the end and not just tapping over a point I mean that that you know, it, it's easy to say now it was the wrong decision because it didn't work out. But I actually respect the guy more for going for it. And I know, um, Barry, if Woolley was here, he'd be nearly applauding him for t- trying to take his goal on rather than <laughs> just tapping yeah. over the easy point, you know? If the goal but, is um, on, go for it, yeah. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And he actually, and I hope he goes for it again. And you could see after the game, he was absolutely devastated. And lads were going over and saying, look, you took it on, fair play to you, or words to that effect. I could see the reaction towards him rather than hearing and even some of the Ballymun lads were actually tapping him on the back it was it was nice to see some great sportsmanship at the end of the game but uh, look I, I like Scaries I think it's Stephen Smith they've got a forward who in any other county would be an absolute superstar and in the Dublin club championship he's a superstar uh, he, you know the, the door may not be shut on him in a Dublin sense he may well play for Dublin again I know he has done I think O'Byrne Cup in the past or whatever and he played against the underdogs but he, he can unlock any defence he's unbelievably hard to mark he's one of these forwards you'd hate to be on 
because he's always out in front. He's always twisting and turning and he'll drag you all around Parnell Park. Like at one stage, I thought he had the Ballymun backline over in Donny Carney Church. His movement was was um, was just immense. So look, I love Scaries. I love their game plan. I love how they go about it and I love their work ethic. They're, and it's a game plan that you have to be very fit for. And like from minute one to minute 63, 64, however much we played of injury time, they were up and down the park. And McGuinness in midfield, I think he was, was class McGinley at the back. I was talking to someone from Scaries before the game. They said he's just immense at feeling high ball. You could see that throughout the game. He was a rock back there. There's so much to love about the Scaries team. And there has been for a couple of years at this stage. I mean, this is not a surprise package. They have been very decent and have been building over the last couple of years. And you have to love their progress over the years, got up from intermediate and whatever it was, 2011, um, kind of and built their way up before that, obviously junior uh, champions. And there's still a few lads from that kind of team that brought them through the grades. Um, but they're just, they're a, a really hardworking team who use the football well and who play the right way as well. I mean, they'll drop back when they need to, but but they're not. Def- I wouldn't class them as a defensive outfit. I'd I'd I'd, I'd class them as an offensive outfit. Um, Barry, that that scariest result, one of the results of the weekend. But we did skip past probably the result of the weekend, which was Ballantyre versus Castlenock in Group Two. A really big yeah. result for Ballantyre St John's, giving them a really good chance of getting out of the group. They are now uh, on two points, same level with St Vincent's, and two points. Crokes are on four, and Castlenock. Our bottom of the of the uh, table with zero points, but all four teams can still qualify. It's Ballantyre versus Crokes in the last game, and Castanoff versus St Vincent's, and it's really all to play for in that group. That Ballantyre result really giving them a chance to get out of the group as well. Absolutely, um, and that actually wasn't really a surprise result for me. This Ballymun, this uh, Ballantyre team, they've been coming the last few years. You know, they, they got up to Division One. They've more than held their own in Division One, and obviously, you know, in Division One, normally you'd have fifteen league matches, and that's a great sort of foundation of games for you to play at that particular level and get guys used to the standard and what's expected of them for them to play then senior one championship so you know they've held their own in division one they've been up in the senior one championship for a few years they beat my own club at bridges three or four years ago out in a tool park fully deserved win so they are are here for good i would say because they have a lot of really good young players as well they just recently won the minor a um or they, they they got into the minor A championship final last year. They could be very close to winning the minor A championship uh, this year. They have a lot of really talented young players who would have represented Dublin at minor and under twenty the last couple of years. And even to to Ushin's point earlier around about Scaries, they don't have too many intercounty players. So for a manager, I mean, if, if I was going out to manage a club team, my preference would certainly be to nearly manage a senior team that doesn't have inter-county players because you're working with the same group of 20 to 25 players week in, week out, and you have plenty of time to work on kick-out strategies, your transition of play, um, set plays, all this type of stuff. Having those guys committed three or four times a week, every week for the last five months, it's in, invaluable, really. And certainly, they put it up to Vincent's the first day, which I expected them to. And I know from chatting to a couple of the Vincent's guys that they were happy just to, to get, get out of that game with a win. So um, the win over Castlenock doesn't surprise me because Castlenock made phenomenal strides there for a number of years and you know got to the county final there four or five years ago in a county semi-final. They've probably regressed a little bit and since then. They haven't quite managed to stay at that level and, and build on that momentum, um, which is probably only, only natural, really. But uh, certainly, I like the look of Ballantyre, and I think we'll be watching them a lot more in the knockout stages of the, of the Senior 1 Championship over the next two, three, four years. 
Yeah, as I mentioned there, Kasanok still in with a chance, a very good chance of uh, getting out of the group. That's a really tight group. If Kasanok were to beat St. Vincent's and Chemical Croaks were to beat Ballantyre St. John's, it would mean uh, Croaks finish on six points and Vincent's Ballantyre and Kasanok all finish on two, which then goes down to a mini league between those three teams. And it's very, very tight in that. So Kasanok really, yeah. really have a chance, a decent chance of getting out of the group if they were to uh, Derek, I Vincent's hope you don't uh, expect game. me to do all these calculations live on, <laughs> on Saturday and yeah. Sunday. You could see smoke coming out of my brain. By the way, while I have you, can I just make an apology? It's Owen McGinley, the fullback from um, Scaries that I was talking about, not Eamon oh, McGinley, McGinley, just to clarify. There we go. Good stuff. But that we have a... Vincent's game, like that, that's very much a 50-50 game. You know, Vincent's are going through a little bit of a transition at the moment, um, which again is only natural considering the, the heights they hit for so many years with so many top-class players. And not just county players, they did an unbelievable crop of very, very uh, high-quality club players there in the mix going back maybe three, four, five, six years. So um, Vincent's are a little bit of a transition and I very much see that as a sort of 50-50 game and nearly a sort of winner takes all um, uh, the following weekend when it when it takes place. Yeah, we'll have to get the calculators out for the last day because it could be very very complicated in terms of uh, of who goes through and who doesn't go through. Depending on literally a point either way, could see a team you know a team winning by four points or five points could be the difference between them getting out of the group or not. We'll go on to group four finally. Um, and now another. Uh, Another group that's going to cause us problems on the last day, I think, because it's uh, still very much up in the air. Uh, the results from the last day, Luke and Sarsfield is just edging out round Towers Lusk, a really impressive round Towers Lusk as well. 112 to 111 to score in that game. And uh, St. Jude's beating Plug is 317 to 115. It means Lucan and St. Jude's both have three points after they're drawn in round one. Uh, Lusk have two and Plunkets are out. Oshin, um, I guess we'll start with yourself that uh, Lucan versus round Towers Lusk game. Again, a game that uh, people would have looked at maybe and said, Luke can have a, we'll win it and we'll win it. I won't say well, but we'll win it. Uh, Lusk impressive though, and maybe a little bit unlucky as well to uh, not come out of the game uh, with something. I think they were, and I think they might look at the penalty decision and debate it. Harry Ladd ran at the defence. He was fouled and landed in the square, if I can put it that way. I, I, I'm, whether he was fouled in the square or not, I'm not sure. But look, these decisions go for you and they go against you. Um, they were desperately unlucky, but look, you know, credit to Darren Gavin and Emmett O'Connell of Lucan, who ran up and down the park all day. Um, I'm very, very jealous of Darren Gavin's mop of hair, but more so his footballing ability. Emmett O'Connell was class as well. Brendan Gallagher, um, you know, a longtime servant of Lucan, has played inter-county yeah. football with Leitrim. Just, again, the typical corner forward, getting out in front, picking his shots, not afraid to take defences on. It doesn't seem to matter how many guys are on him or who's on him. He'll always do something positive with the ball. Generally, it's getting a score, but sometimes it's making that pass as well. I did like round Towers of Lusk. I have to say, didn't know too much about them coming into today or that day because I hadn't seen too much of them over the years. But like, you know, they had a really hardworking team, a kit trick up and down the park. Jack Hussey, um, you know, brilliant, brilliant game for him. Um, I think as well, Howley, you know, took responsibility as well. And I, I'm, I'm mentioning individuals here, which I appreciate I probably shouldn't, but these are guys that just from memory, jumped out at me um, regards uh, their performances. I think they were desperately unlucky. I think they'll say maybe, maybe it was something they could have, a game they could have got something out of. But as I was saying on commentary throughout last weekend and the weekend before and hurling and in football, and it's a point you raised there as well, Derek, there's, there is actually such a thing as a, as a good loss, as silly as that sounds, in this um, group format. Because as you say, it might come down to scoring. It might come down to 
you know, you only losing by one as opposed to losing by two. It could get that tight. Um, so, I, I mean, you know, this is a very competitive group. But Lucan, look, they worked incredibly hard um, and and they they eked out the win. I think Brendan Gallagher, you can say maybe was the difference for them. But O'Keele and, and Gavin are, are quite the engine room. Barry, the a look at uh, the St. Jude's results. St. Jude's beating uh, Plunkett's by 317 to 115. Jude's now on three points. Jude's is one of these teams who've been kind of in and around the uh, yeah. the latter stage of the championship for a few years, but obviously haven't been able to win it. They have the quality, the experience in the team. Can you see them kicking on this year and, and doing something in the championship that they haven't been able to do before, which is win it, but even get to the latter stages this year as well? What do you make of this Jude's team? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I have them as, as favourites to get out of the group. Um, I've watched them a lot in the last few years and, and we had a lot of really tough battles with Jude's down through the years, at, at quarterfinal championships, semi-final championships and very, very difficult team to play against and get a win. And like, you know, they've come so close a number of years. I mean, they've been in the knockout stages for the last 10, 12 years. Uh, the consistency is phenomenal there and just haven't managed to get over the line. And they've beaten all the top clubs. You know, they've beaten all the top contenders on a quarterfinal, semifinal stage, but just fell over uh, the final hurdle. Um, but look, you know, Kevin McManaman, I've spoken to him before about this. Like, he would do anything to win a Dublin Senior Club Championship medal. Um, and he's been really trying to drive that for the last number of years. He'll be coming back um, from not having played with Dublin much this year, very keen, very highly motivated to do well with, with the club over the next few weeks. You know, they've brought in a, a few outsiders in recent years, but they've seemed to have gelled well and integrated them well into the group. Um, and yeah, they're a difficult team to play against because they do play that sort of counter-attacking brand of football, but they have some really top-class uh, finishers inside as well they don't really need to score a huge amount to, to win games um, and they can do it both ways they can they can you know go defensive and, and win a tight game or they can go all out as well as you saw from that result against Plunkett's which probably was expected I mean you know Plunkett's um, a lot of their, their key star players have sort of coming towards the end of their, their club career they've done very well to win I think the division two league title in, in recent weeks um, they have they had a very good minor team last year um, yeah. so they'll be hoping to um, bring through as many of those players as possible over the next two to three years but they're probably in a bit of a, a transition so um, you know Jude's against Lusk will be will be a tight game but I, I'd expect Jude's to come through um, and get in uh, as group winners in, in that one and, and go into the quarter final with a lot of a lot of confidence. Okay, great. So just a reminder of the fixtures before we go uh, for round three. Well, first of all, in group one, the round one game between Ballybones and Endes and Rahini has to be replayed. But also in round uh, in group one, the round three fixtures are Whitehall Colmkill versus Ballybones and Endes and Rahini versus Nafina to come in round uh, three. Round three fixtures for group two, Ballantyr St. John's against Chemical Croaks and Castlenock taking on St. Vincent's. A really tight group there and looking all to play for in, in that group. Ballymont Kickhams versus Clontarf in group, th- in group three and Thomas Davis against Gary's Harps. Again, plenty to play for in that group. And group four, as you mentioned, Jude's against Round Terrors, Lusk uh, and Luke and Sarsfield's taking on St. Albert Plunkett on row. So all to play for, like I say, plenty of calculators out 
uh, for the final group round of games. It's all on you, Oshim. We're, we're pinning all our hopes on you, so oh, don't God. let us down. <laughs> Numbers are not my thing. You'll know that. <laughs> I'm Listen, glad we up, actually, because there's a guy after starting a lawnmower outside, so it's good timing, oh, fantastic. Good, good timing, good timing. Barry Cahill and Oshim Langan, thanks a million for joining us today. Pleasure. Thanks, guys. Okay, welcome back. Now, last week on our Club Focus, we spoke to Nate Baroque, Chairman Martin Kiernan, and you can take a look back at that on the Dublin GA YouTube channel. On uh, this week's episode, we're delighted to be joined by Nave Olaf, Chairman John Summers, to talk all things Nave Olaf. Uh, John, thanks a million for joining us. Thanks, Derek. Um, pleasure to talk to you and uh, share with the wider group and audience what we're doing Nave Olives out in Sandyford. Um, my name is John Summers. Um, I'm the current chairman for the last two years. I'm hopefully heading into a third year. Um, and uh, prior to that was John O'Brien, who I was vice chair to. Um, the club um, has been around since 1981. Um, it was part of the new Dublin suburbs in the 70s. Um, myself, I grew up initially in the 70s in uh, Ballantyre in Ludford and parallel to that the likes of Dundrum, Churchtown and Bellali were also uh, bringing new families into the neighbourhood and one of those was um, Mick Brown who was from St Finbar's, a hurling man and along with another uh, group of people they set up Nave Olives in 1981 uh, to cater for the, the widening um, suburbs but also there was only one club really catering for everybody at that stage and it was already overloaded so ourselves and Spanchair St. John's were set up around the same time. And um, Mick's son, actually, uh, Tommy Brown, was involved in the ladies' football in 2010 in Dublin. And the last five years, he's managed our senior um, hurling team. And uh, he now has actually moved to Cork. So um, it's all come full circle. And myself, um, I was in St. Benilda's in the 70s and the 80s. So the pitches that uh, Navolos now use and have used since 1981 were bequeathed to the club effectively by uh, Brendan O'Sullivan, who was one of the brothers, De La Salle brothers. And we've been using those clubs now, using those fields, I should say, for the last 40 years. This year is our 40th anniversary. And 10 years ago, we had a 30 year anniversary. And a book uh, was issued called Treasured Memories um, about all the previous history. And uh, at that stage, um, Harriet Crowley was the chairman. and uh, Brendan McGlynn um, wrote and collated and got all the information. And at that time, our membership was 1,200. I was just looking at that book there recently, and our membership now has grown to 2,400 people. And so we've had a good lot of growth, and that goes, that tests me to a lot of people who kept the wheels turning um, uh, back 10 years ago and kept the academy going, and the likes of Ronan Hayes in the academy, uh, Liz Doyle, and our GPO, Darren Egan, at that time uh, in the schools, uh, put the face of the club out in the community. And as a result of that uh, effort, those efforts over the years, we've increased. And uh, there is a kind of a vibe of a country vibe within the city of uh, this club, which is just on the uh, suburbs of the city under uh, underneath the Dublin mountains. So uh, Ticknock, uh, Dundrum, Churchtown joined this club. Uh, we merged with them in 1999, and hence the crest. You'll see the Usher Monument, which is uh, in memorial of a community servant within Dundrum. 
And then you have the uh, bottle tower as well from Churchtown. And ourselves, you have the Viking ship. Uh, Balali is named after uh, Balyal Olive, which is Olivestown. And um, St. Olive's the school in the vicinity is um, uh, obviously the club is the, is the Irish name Olive, is the saint of Norway and uh, brought Christianity to the Vikings there in, and uh, hence uh, Christianity and the saints and the club obviously is named after that individual. However, he never set foot in Ireland, but the Vikings did uh, come here in different shapes of form and uh, they set up uh, a fort in Dundrum, which is a ridge fort. And uh, Balali then obviously was named after that, uh, Olaf at the time back uh, around the same time as the centenary there of the Viking city of Dublin was uh, was uh, celebrated. So, um, yeah, so that's a bit of the history and uh, the context. And, you know, we actually cater for about 10 main schools that come into the club. And effectively, at the moment, the academy is on a Saturday morning. We have about 260 uh, in the boys' academy. And on a Sunday, we have about 160. So healthy amounts and Neil Fogarty is our uh, current juvenile chair and he oversees the juvenile section and he's actually ex-Nave Kieran's himself. And Eddie Boabsey is our current GPO and he's from Westmead. And then we have uh, recently an addition uh, part-time Chloe Nicalig, who is uh, a player with the club, but she's also recently qualified as a GPO. So we're delighted to have her join the club to cater for as I say 2,400 people um, and within that we've about 1,200, 1,300 um, playing uh, individuals. Our gender rate is actually nearly 50-50 which is fantastic and um, the, there's a schools I'll just give you a quick list of the schools is St. Olo's, Tave Nicuilla, Our Ladies of the Wayside, Queen of Angels, uh, Gwail Skull Nifioga, uh, Educate Together Stepside, Holy Trinity, um, up in Ballyogan, and we have Holy Cross in Dundrum and St. Mary's in Sandyford. So quite a big parish, but um, we have the facilities to cater for them. We have a, a large indoor hall. We've recently actually built a uh, fully uh, state-of-the-art gym and aerobics area. And uh, we've, we took the time within COVID to finish that off. We put uh, fixed the, um, uh, the soundproofing within the hall. And we also then have done up our bar. So we could have mothballed the club and actually waited for COVID to pan out, but we used the opportunity and the volunteers to come together. And uh, our focus now is possibly to try and increase our lights, our floodlights and our playing facilities as in all weather facilities. We use step aside um, all weather facilities for the winter now. And uh, if we can increase our own facilities, our, which are mainly pitches, all those pitches are done right down are the top pitches and we worked closely with them over COVID to put a walking path and a running path and they put in a playground as well. So the community was starting to discover us and we were kind of hidden away. We we're right there in plain view, but COVID has allowed us to embrace the community. We've improved our facilities in conjunction with DLR and the lower pitches are effectively what we would have called when we were vanilla's the top pitches. Ironically, they're the bottom pitches for the club and St. Benilda's is where I went to school in the 70s and 80s. So as I said to someone recently, I've been playing on those pitches every decade since. Um, and I would have played locally in the school and I would have played in the local club, which didn't uh, come across croaks. And our, that school, Benilda's, effectively feeds both those clubs. 
And uh, it's no different when I was there in the in, in the 70s and 80s, and it still is the case. David Byrne would be our uh, flagship uh, player um, from St. Benilla's and obviously plays with the Dublin's uh, senior team. I mean, he's a fantastic role model. And um, he went to St. Olaf himself. And um, he is um, uh, the, the marker for us uh, and the profile of a club that would have been considered small in the scheme of things. But as we can see, the numbers-wise... And the locality that we're in is uh, quite, uh, it's uh, burgeoning, as they say. And it's ever increasing with uh, more estates going up around us. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Davey there, obviously, David Byrne, somebody who's very well known. And just to, to talk about the, you mentioned there, that obviously, a lot of work that's gone in at juvenile and academy level over the past few years. But from a senior level point of view, and maybe even just the under 20s, we, we saw this year, for example, Kieran Foley, Donald Levy and Finn Murphy were involved with the uh, Dublin under 20s hurling panel that uh, won the Leinster title um, last summer for 20, the 2020 Leinster title earlier on this summer. Um, so a lot of, you know, the, the work that you put in at underage level and juvenile level over the past number of years is kind of coming to fruition from a senior level point of view. How are your senior teams doing at this stage and, and maybe where do you see them growing and, and improving over the next few years. I know Dotsie O'Callaghan, for example, is with your with your senior hurlers as well. Yeah, uh, as I say, Tommy has, after the last five years, has, has uh, led that hurling ship and uh, did a great job there. And he's handed it over to Dotsie Callan, who stepped in and he's liked the, the feel of the club and the players we have there. And, you know, the last few years, they, they you know, we were up in Division 2, we've gone to Division 3. And the quality and the numbers coming through, as you said, you've mentioned the three gentlemen, you know, we feel that there's potential in that club or sorry, in that team. And then and same on the ladies side, actually, you know, um, we actually have two Camogies teams now, which we didn't have before. We have three ladies teams. And uh, so we're beginning, those numbers are beginning to come through and we're creating platforms for that growth for ultimately to keep all these people playing sport and hopefully playing our sport. And it's for us, and the onus is on us, uh, is to create as many teams for these young people coming through to land on, and particularly the younger groups, um, and to allow them to mature in their own time to get up to the senior level. So we've been doing that. Uh, Ronan um, Burke is the uh, adult chair, and we've been trying to strategize, the, trying to make sure that that happens. So we've done a lot over COVID, notwithstanding we haven't been able to use our facilities indoors, we have been looking at and as we say, we've gone out and we've got Dotsie in for the hurlers. Uh, the senior footballers are Division 2 um, at Senior B. And Michael Brides, an ex-Cavan footballer, um, he lives locally now. And his family are in the club and he manages that team. And our second team is Division 5, Junior 2. Our third team is uh, Division 9, uh, Junior 4. And our minor football is Division 3, B Championship. And our hurlers are Division 3, Intermediate. As I say, Dotsie's there. And our second team there is Division Six and Junior uh, Championship. And the ladies, uh, Division Four, Junior B, uh, Lee Waters of Donegal and Wicklow, uh, with their own Sean Farrell, are looking after that team. And they uh, recently won a, uh, the B Shield and their second uh, against um, Aaron's Isle. And um, our second ladies team just got beaten in the championship semi-final by a very strong Plunkett's team. So um, the senior camogie is Division 4 and Intermediate uh, B. Mary Gibney, I have to give a shout out to her. Uh, Mary would have been one of those few people in Dublin um, in, before 2010 
who kind of pushed um, and kept Camogie on the agenda. And as a result of people like that, uh, Camogie is now flourishing with the amount of ladies taking up GAA football, but also Camogie was fantastic. My own daughters now are in both codes and uh, it's a testimony to that work and effort around Dublin um, and Mary Gibney being one of them. And uh, we're seeing the fruits of that. We now have a, a junior Camogie team, Division 7, and a minor Division 4. And um, we have a Division 1 um, team in the club is actually on the ladies' side. It's under 14, actually. My own daughter, Billy Summers, is on that team. But Owen Ryan runs that team with Gavin Fitzpatrick. Uh, and uh, so the future is good. And uh, we, 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 it's up to us to make sure that the platforms for these um I suppose, children coming through and young players. And that's what we're doing with uh, the likes of Ronan and the rest of the management groups. And uh, it's uh, we're looking forward to seeing them, the club. Ultimately, you know, before the club has uh, kind of achieved very well in the, in the 80s and 90s and maybe underachieved slightly after that. And now, ultimately, you know, it, it, it's up to us to take ourselves more seriously and put ourselves out there. And Davey's done it himself and the team now are following through on all the other codes as well. And it's a see it, be it element to it. And you can see it on the ladies' side. And we've got a couple of minors on that ladies' uh, adult team and they're mixing fantastic. So we're very much in a positive state in numbers, but also the quality of the football and the hurling coming through in the camogie. Yeah, it's brilliant to see the guys obviously you have in charge of the teams, some really good people in, in charge of the teams there guiding the guys along. And Dotsy is, is, is certainly one of those people who uh, at the whole of Dublin, uh, a man who the whole of Dublin really loves uh, yes. from, a, from, yeah. a, from a hurling point of view. So to have him in charge is, is fantastic. And obviously we've seen the likes of uh, Kieran Donald and Finn doing so well with the under 20 hurlers this year. And obviously Davey has been um, such a key part of the Dublin senior football team for so long. So quite a lot of strength there uh, and I guess that kind of shows the work that's gone in at underage level over the last number of years you did mention COVID there uh, and you've actually seemed to have nearly taken advantage of the COVID situation I'm talking about from the work that you did at the club uh, to you know take advantage of of the kind of time away that people had I'm sure you've had also faced some issues uh, as, as any club has done what are the sort of issues that you have faced and that clubs in general I guess throughout Dublin are facing post well during COVID and post COVID that hopefully as things progress and as things get better we can try and get beyond over the next while yeah no um, <clears throat> well COVID came along and no one knew how long it would last and uh, so we kind of hummed and hawed as to what we would do but obviously the priority was everyone's safety um, and then it came back quite quickly in in, in June in, in, in GA terms which is fantastic so I think over the period of time the on and off that we've had COVID, um, there was a concern, well, if people reprioritize their time and where they need to do and what they'll do, et cetera, that maybe the likes of sports and the likes of the commitments that are required and the volunteering um, in element, you know, it might suffer. Um, but I think what people realized was that for their own um, well-being, the, the volunteering element and the children themselves, um, they missed that structure. They missed that, that, that interaction. And if anything, we've, um, in numeric terms, we've increased our membership because the word of mouth was out there. The club has a friendly atmosphere. And so we've succeeded in numbers and et cetera. But now our, our strategy is to try and coach the coaches because we've a lot of parents who may or may not have GA backgrounds as well. So for those children to come through and to get the best out of themselves, 
it, it's up to us to create that environment. And that's where Eddie Biabsi from Westmead, uh, our GPO, he is doing a coach the coaches and Chloe's doing the schools. So we're helping the outside club and in inside club. And ultimately then we had the volunteering element, which was already there uh, on show in relation to parents uh, interacting um, with the various teams, but um, also the volunteering with the local shops, other local clubs interacting, making sure people weren't left alone, getting supplies. All that was fantastic. And also, also when, we put in a farmer's market in, um, in, on a Friday and that allowed the community, but also our own members to kind of interlink. However, you know, out in the open, going for walks and we put in coffee and a juice bar and, and an, we opened up the social uh, kind of a, a plinth or an open social place that people could have a coffee, have a brief chat and on their way. And all these things helped embrace the community, became a focal point as opposed to being slightly cut off where we are we're right on the DeMartin Link Road, so it's very accessible. But to get to us, you have to come into the business, Sandy for Business Park and around. So it's not an obvious place for people who invariably drive cars. So by Dunleary putting in the playground and COVID, people were walking and looking for places to walk. They've discovered us. In some cases, they're bringing our kids there. And in conjunction with our sponsors, IRES and Sandyford, We've been trying to get more people from different backgrounds and even different countries, and they're beginning to come in, which is fantastic. We even have um, some kids from the likes of Educate Together with no real JA background families, and they're coming down here because of the culture that's here and the friendliness, which is a testimony to all the volunteers. Nothing necessarily to what myself or the executive, but it's like everything else. We're all trying to create that environment that ultimately the byproduct is success in numbers and people playing sport and being healthy. And then by that numbers, you eventually, hopefully will get the competitive elements. But the key thing is to keep them all playing sport and cater for all levels. And that's what we're trying to do. What we did do as well is um, um, in relation to COVID, um, uh, an element is we, we built the gym. We put in um, Eamon Riley of Spark um, um, Physio to make sure all the codes and genders get access to quality physio and S&C is another thing that we've been trying to do and we've also been trying to um uh, bring in psych sports psychology and that and just ultimately give everybody a chance to be the best they can be regardless and ultimately what we were doing prior to it and we'll probably revisit it to it is and if anybody's listening to this is more than welcome is we've been trying to do the special needs side and um we have had a special olympics football team from dundrum use the club we have autism spectrum ireland uh, use the, the club and the outside as well. And all these things are trying to bring the community in. Ultimately, for us, um, we had Mini All Ireland's, you know, we had 400 people just before uh, COVID came in in the Mini All Ireland's uh, over three or four days. Um, and that was fantastic, beautiful weather. But my own mind was surely there's siblings of these children and there's also um, relatives that may not be able to play the mini all irons how do we cater for them how do we bring them into the club and that's an element we're trying to try and revisit now but we've been successful in bringing some of those um, um bodies into the club get comfortable with us and ultimately get the, our volunteers comfortable with them maybe they want to help out more with the special needs side of things and then the third phase is there is more that happens the more likely we are able to give those parents and those siblings and those families um one an outlet 
to interact with um, with the club, but ultimately for them to get a break as well. And uh, that's kind of what the goal is. So hopefully we'll get that going again. Yeah, that's brilliant to hear. Um, and and get, that's obviously one of the aims that you have for for the future of the club. Are there anything, is there anything else that you're looking at over the next few years? Again, COVID kind of delayed a lot of um, plans for a lot of people. But now that we are yeah. reopening a small bit, have you any other, anything else that you're kind of looking looking towards over the next couple of years? Yeah, as I said, look, we're putting in the the ground, you know, the framework for all the teams and the numbers coming through so that they can play and keep playing and comp- and compete. And ultimately, there's always a space for the the top level, but we want to make sure everybody plays. But um, to combine with that whole element is we've we've obviously improved our facilities and our walking facilities with DLR. And um, we also have brought in a green charter and um, we call it a Muffin Square, which is, I don't know if, if you're showing my age, Gerd van Gelden and Eamon de Butler were one of the kind of pioneers in the 70s and 80s around wildlife and biodiversity. And obviously that's kind of out there now. And Gerd van Gelden, the Dutch artist and um, wildlife photographer uh, who worked with RTE, he lived in Sandyford. So I, we approached their family to see if we can use him and his um, emblems to you know, put a face to our initiatives and ultimately educate the children and the schools and ultimately our members that you know we play in an environment. COVID is one thing has shown us that we're walking around, our environment is very much, um, we're in it and of it. And in, in clubs, in all sports clubs, we play in that environment. And this way it shows a way, it's a tangible way of making that connection from that macro to that micro level that you know, we can make a difference and then we can learn to make a difference. And we have beehives on the roof. And um, I had a jar somewhere, but I don't have it now. We actually got some honey out of it. And ultimately what happens there is um, it shows what can be done. There's people now offering and they want to learn how to, how to look after bees. We have some parents, we have some players, and ultimately we have a master beekeeper and we can show the children this is how honey comes from the flowers we can show all that and maybe we can move away from fertilizers move away from plastic and show a lead to not only ga clubs but ultimately show what other green we call it the green space we are just another green space along with everybody else so if we joined up all the clubs and all the sports clubs and the ga it would reflect well on us um, but also it shows that connection between the community, the metal and their bigger picture that we're always hearing from on high and ultimately make it easier for us to um, um, play and uh, live in a, in, a, in a nicer environment. Uh, you've mentioned already uh, volunteers and how obviously how important they are to the club. How do people get involved uh, with Naval? If, um, a lot of people living in the area around and evolve. I'm sure a lot of people would be interested in getting involved, but maybe don't know how to do that. So how do people yeah. get involved with the club if they wish to? Yeah, so over the last while, we've also um, thankfully um, had a volunteer, um, James Shields, um, who has helped us with the website and it's much more um, interactive and up-to-date. So if anybody has any interest in any aspect of the club, there are contact points in there. So it's www.navolof.ie and there's plenty of contacts. Paul Lines is the clubhouse manager and his number is there as well. And if you need anything or want anything or need to find out a contact, please use that website, but also contact Paul. He's there most days. As I said, we have a farmer's market on a Friday. 
um, and again to our own members as well and um, this is a great out, uh, outlet for us to kind of show and try and tell the bigger picture because we can't meet all 2400 people and obviously COVID has kind of kind of stopped us from doing that and kept us apart so this is another um, great opportunity for us to kind of explain not only to um, the rest of Dublin and whoever looks at this po podcast but to our own membership it's a great avenue and uh, we appreciate that opportunity and um, we're also involved in Sandyford Business District which is the four parks and I am a board member on that and uh, it's, it's non-executive non-paid but I kind of represent the community within the Sandyford piece within Navolov as a JA club and we try and work with local companies to make this place a better place for people to work, live, and ultimately uh, play, as, as they say. So, uh, and we work with Dunleary on that. We try and you know push the Sandyford uh, area, but also uh, explain what else is going on, not only within our own club, but around Sandyford, and make it more attractive to live and to ultimately to work as well. Brilliant. There's so much work going on in Navolof. It's fantastic to see. Uh, like I say, check out, as you mentioned, check out Navolof.ie to find out more about what's going on at the club. I had a look at the website last night and there's a, a lot. It's certainly uh, been updated recently. You can see that and there's a lot of information in that as well. Navolof.ie uh, where you can find a lot more information out about, uh, about the club and what's going on. John, thanks a million for joining us, joining us today. It was fantastic to hear about all the great work being done at Navolov over the last number of years, which we've seen now in terms of the players that Navolov are producing at, at a senior level for Dublin and at, at, at under 20 level for Dublin, but also the work that maybe we, ha we, ha we haven't seen uh, from a Dublin point of view, but that's certainly been going on at the club over the last number of years. And you've mentioned already the aims you have for the future as well, which is fantastic to see. So thanks a million for joining us, John. You're more than welcome. And again, thank you very much for the opportunity. And as I say, anybody wants to get in contact with us, feel free and uh, we can share the information even if they are interested in some of the initials we've talked about. Happy to share and get involved, no problem. Brilliant, John. Thanks very much for joining us. John Summers there, the Naval of Chairman and that is the Go Ahead Dublin Championship show for this week. A reminder of the four games that are live on Dubs TV this weekend from the Go Ahead Dublin Senior A Hurling Championship. Round three games, it's Fogs versus Plunkett's on Saturday at three, followed by Kula taking on St. Bridget's on Saturday at five. And then on Sunday, two games, Crave Kieran taking on Whitehall Colm Kill at two o'clock and St. Vincent's versus Lucan at four. Some intriguing battles awaiting there. Tune into Dubs TV on both our uh, Facebook or YouTube channels. We're going to be back again in a fortnight's time to look back on the round three fixtures in both the uh, Go Ahead Dublin Senior A Hurling Championship and Senior One Football Championship. In the meantime, keep an eye on the Dublin GA social media pages for all the latest news. We are at WGA Official across Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in and goodbye.